Well, friends, I'm going to read our scripture passage for tonight. It's one we've been coming back to a lot all summer as we've been in this series on Sabbath. And when we read the Christian scriptures, we believe we're doing more than simply studying an ancient text. We believe that God actually speaks to us through these words. So I invite you to take a moment of silence just to quiet your mind and heart, just to ask God to speak to you and speak to us. Our reading today comes from the first account of Jesus' life, the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are struggling hard and carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Put on my yoke and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble, and you will find rest for yourselves. My yoke is easy to bear, and my burden is light. I'm going to read that one more time, just to allow those words to fall over us. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are struggling hard and carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Put on my yoke and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble, and you will find rest for yourselves. My yoke is easy to bear, and my burden is light. Friends, all summer we've been in this sermon series on the practice of Sabbath, this ancient practice of stopping our work and resting, of resting with God, this ancient practice of delight, of worship, of justice. And we've been talking about it as that, as a practice, as something we actually take up uh, for 24 hours. If that feels maybe uh, too hard in this season of life, kind of impossible maybe in this season of life, maybe it's half a day, maybe it's three hours, but some intentional period of time where we're seeking this practice um, called Sabbath. But we've also been talking about it as a posture, a way of showing up in the world as God's people, learning to trust God's presence more and more, learning to trust that Jesus is king, uh, that Jesus is at work. And we've also talked about it as a sign, a sign of God's kingdom that is breaking in now and one day will be fully here. I've been loving the series and just all the reading I've gotten to do around it. And it's this beautiful, like, you're invited into the life of God. You're invited into the joy of God, these beautiful ideas. But it's also immensely practical. It should be immensely practical. So tonight, we're doing something a little bit different. Instead of a sermon, we're going to have a panel, in case you were wondering why there's so many stools up here, uh, to hear from some folks. Okay, like, what does this look like? What does it look like for you in all of its goodness and all of its challenges? We all know how countercultural that idea is uh, to find our worth in something other than our work, <laughs> to stop our work even when it's not all done. Uh, so we want a, a chance to hear from some folks, uh, and hopefully at the end there'll be a chance if you have any questions for them that you can ask. So I'll invite our panel to come on up here. Grab a stool, any stool. Um, so as I ask them their first, the first question, I'll also invite you just share who you are, <laughs> your name, quick, quick, quick bio. Okay, so I want to start just by asking, what was your story around taking up the practice of Sabbath? I feel like for a lot of us, it can be around burnout, like you hit a wall and you can't go as fast and as hard as you have been, but maybe not. Maybe there's some other story of how we finally realize, like, I got to slow down, I got to stop, I got to rest, I got to heed this idea that God's inviting me uh, to rest. So I want to hear from each of you. Uh, Kind of your quick answer, um, or I'll take the mic. I'm just kidding. Uh, what's your story in taking up the practice of Sabbath? And as you share that, if you would share your name as well. 
Hello, everyone. My name is Franklin. I'm a volunteer staff here. I like to play, but um, and Sabbath to me is about delight and rest. But I wasn't very intentional about keeping Sabbath. Uh, it was not part of my Christian background. Uh, but um, my first year here, actually, I worked at a vegetable farm. But it was run by this Messianic Jewish family. And every Friday night, they would take Sabbath. They would work from 6 a.m. to about 8, 9 every day of the week. But on Saturday, it was Sabbath. And it started on Friday night with breaking up the bread and the candles. And that was just a beautiful ritual that I found like this was life-giving to me. So that was my start off being intentional with Sabbath. Hey guys, I don't know anyone in the room other than Chuck and Katie. My name's Dave. I pastor a church down kind of in And my introduction to Sabbath, kind of how I got into it, I, I used to work for a missions organization that had a lot of practices kind of built in to our discipleship programs. So I knew of Sabbath, but uh, never really actually thought that's something I should do and kind of considered it obsolete. And then about three years ago, I was actually, I was preaching a sermon and given this topic on the commands of Christ. And as I was reading through the gospels, looking for the commands, I noticed there were six things that Jesus never commands, but he assumes you do. Things like prayer, fasting, generosity, community, uh, and Sabbath uh, being one of them. So it was, it was the first time I think it really like the coin dropped and I realized, oh, Jesus assumes that this is a practice in my life. And he probably assumes that I'm doing it wrong as well with the <laughs> bad motive, bad practice, but he wants to help me do it well. And, uh, and the really interesting thing about that scripture we read is immediately following that kind of famous verse about, I will give you rest, I'll give my burden is light, my yoke's easy, are like four stories about the Sabbath. And so that was really where my season started. And, and it coincided with having kids, which is like a forced limit. And yeah, so that's how I stumbled into it and still stumbling. But My name is Kelsey. I grew up in a Christian household and my mom, I feel like she modeled Sabbath really well. We just chilled really hard on like Saturday or Sunday. Um, and so I feel like I, I have taken that into my life now. There was a period of time when I wasn't religious and identified as secular, sort of in between my upbringing and, and now. And I felt like I was also pulled to Sabbath during that time period too, and just like a natural needing of my body to rest and to not do anything. So I found myself in that period of time also sort of having a Sabbath, but like not, you know, focusing on God so much. And then when I came back into my faith, I found that pull to just want to be with God. I was really on fire when I came back into my faith and I just wanted to be near God, closer to God. And so continued that sort of natural feeling of wanting rest, but then focusing it more towards my relationship with God. Hi, I'm Kimberly. I'm a neighbor. I live up the way just a little bit. Uh, I had a nervous breakdown at 20. Um, I had an undiagnosed general anxiety disorder, and it came midterms at CSU, and I was almost hospitalized. I should have been hospitalized, and I realized that I had internalized really terrible coping mechanisms, and also because I grew up with a brother of special needs, I never realized that my needs mattered, and I had to force rest. 
Like I, it was required. I had an ulcer. I lost 15 pounds in 30 in in two weeks. Um, it was really bad. And at 20, like you're discovering yourself. You're going to college. All your friends are just going, going, going. Um, I had a roommate who said, "It's really cool that like you want to rest or whatever, but like I want people to like me." Huh. She actually said that. <laughs> I was like, cool, cool. <laughs> uh, and so I had to learn really early, I think, in learning how to rest and learning how to read my body and learning how to, with medication, better balance my life. And not that I didn't have Sabbath modeled, because I also grew up in a Christian home, but that for me with a general anxiety disorder, it just looks different. Uh, and so in some ways, I feel like I jumped the curve to many people's stories about Sabbath is because my body broke first. Mm. Thanks, y'all. Thank you. But praise God for medicine. <laughs> yeah. And Lexapro, 15 milligrams daily. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, y'all, for sharing that first part. And I want to hear now, uh, what day, like if you have a regular time, what is that for you? And what does it tend to look like? If there's any sort of um, regularity or the pr- things you like to do, you enjoy doing, what does that tend to look like for you? And whoever wants to go first. You want me to just go back? You want to go back? Yeah, we just, we just want to okay. go back. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's usually Saturday or Sunday for me. Now, I'm very lucky in that I am unattached. All I have is my furry morsel, Coco, my, my little cat buddy. Um, so in some ways, I feel like I'm really lucky. Like, I don't have children, uh, so I can take time for myself. But I also recognize that there are things that I do daily that are a kind of a Sabbath. So I don't have work email on my phone so that when I leave the building at 5.30, like, it's gone. Like, I don't, it's not engaged in any way. The other thing is, my favorite feeling in the whole wide world is, like, brand new clean sheets, brand new clean jammies, washed body, everything's shaved, (laughs) and I get to, like, slip into bed. It's, like, my favorite feeling. And so I make my bed every morning so that at night I get that little bit of, like, rest and renewal. I get that little, like jolt of like, oh, this feels so good. Thank you, Lord, for my bed. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot of Saturdays and Sundays are like, whatever the heck I want. I live alone, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's also the weekend. I work Monday through Friday. So um, generally on Sunday, Saturday is like our fun day. So we do a lot of like fun stuff, go out. and um, So generally Sunday, and it just looks like kind of what I said my mom did, like hardcore chilling. I love to not have a plan um, and just kind of go based on how I'm feeling, usually a nap is involved. Um, Usually good food, like home-cooked food, really. I love to sort of do more internal reflection and an inventory of my body, how my body, mind, and soul is doing. Um, I like to eat, like, nutritious on Sunday. Um, And I think it's both of that sort of inventorying of my body, mind, and soul and allowing God to also meet me in that space, too. Um, my wife and I usually practice Friday evening to Saturday evening, not because we're Messianic Jews, but because it just works better with our schedule. And I think for us, it's like a really nice way to decompress after the week and like a, a reset, a goal to aim for. And with having two littles under five, I think having that evening into a slow morning is really essential for it actually feeling restful. And, um, yeah, that's the practicals. 
So I have an ideal Sabbath, and then something just happens by happenstance. Uh, ideally, I would wake up just a little more, have some little more sleep, have some time to slowly drink coffee or tea and reflect, and then make a breakfast, maybe friends are involved, then do something active, like get outside, do something I like to do, or whether it's playing some sports or mountain biking or something like that, something fun. And then slowly again, like slowing down, having a nap. Um, so very ideal. This never happens. <laughs> um, what usually happens is I'll wake up um, late and then probably get a burrito from Santiago's, something like that. That's ideal. Um, well, ideally, I would make my own stuff, okay. right? It's homemade food with friends, really ideal. But usually it doesn't happen. And right now, um, I usually either like... Yeah, go out to a coffee shop or meet with a friend or go to the mountains. Something that happens based on people's availability. I don't know, like, as you think about your own story, um, all of y'all, you know, listening to these folks share, as you think about your own journey, your own relationship to the idea of rest and all the different things that go along with that, um, I feel, I often do feel both my deep desire for it and my resistance to it, right? Like, a lot of good things in life, you know? It's like, yes, please, and go away. <laughs> like... And so I want to talk a little bit about the struggle around Sabbath and the challenges you find. And I I know that can change season to season, uh, but what's been some of the things you've noticed, maybe even in the past year, if that helps to kind of narrow it down, what's been some of the struggles or the challenges you've faced as you've tried to take up the practice of Sabbath? Yes, so um, when I was in grad school, I really stuck to Sabbath because, again, it was a necessity. Everything was really hectic. You needed to stop. Uh, I went to Denver Seminary for counseling. But since graduation and being a new professional, like the scarcity mindset I think is my biggest obstacle. It's like I need to get better. I need to train myself. I need to read more books, just get all these different trainings in. And I think that's one of my biggest um, obstacles to keeping Sabbath. And the second one is, I think, like the lack of community doing that together. Like, again, when I was part of the Messianic Jewish family, and they're my host family in, in the U.S., like I would, I would travel 40 minutes um, to go every Friday night to be with them. Sometimes I'll spend the night over. And it was just a communal thing. We did it together. We kind of talked about our weeks, talked about what we are doing in life. And it was just, again, when everyone is doing it, there's an energy to it. You don't feel guilty about taking a break. So I think that community aspect of people's different schedules uh, kind of gets in the way of, like, no one else is doing it, so you feel kind of alone in, in that. Oh, wow. So many struggles. I, th- I think, like, lots of spiritual disciplines, especially in the early years and attempts, it's a very, like, exposing process because you realize how deformed you have become in that area and... I think on like strengths finders, I'm a maximizer. I have I have four part-time jobs that make up my career vocation. So I'm always like racing, running, doing things. And I think I didn't realize this until the last couple of years, but I've always treated time like it's just this utilitarian kind of inanimate thing that I can just abuse and use. And I think the challenge that Sabbath, even now three, four years in, still confronts in me is realizing that time's like a created thing and I have a relationship with it that's either healthy or really toxic and really bad and um, so I think 
I actually like talking about Sabbath. I like reading books about Sabbath. I like being asked questions about Sabbath way more than actually Sabbathing. Uh, it's almost like a, a dog chasing a fire truck. And when the dog catches it, it's like it doesn't even know what to do. So uh, I, think, I think just in the last six months, I've started having some moments where I have like one hour in my Sabbath day and I'll be like, I'll go to my wife and be like, I think I was doing it. I think, I think I was resting for that last, or I think I was fully present, like, with my one-year-old. Um, and I could tell a lot of really embarrassing stories about things that I've convinced myself were Sabbath over the last few years. In re- Some of them are on security footage uh, evidence around our house, like gardening projects late at night, quote-unquote. Um, so I, I think my wrestle has just been honestly, like a really unhealthy relationship with time that I developed uh, just through school and life and never had a healthy relationship really modeled. So, I think for me, if you know the Enneagram at all, I'm a seven, which is the enthusiast. So naturally, I love to be around people. I love to socialize. And that's my go-to all the time. When I wake up on Saturday morning, when I wake up on Sunday morning, I want to go do stuff and I want to be around people. And Bryce, my husband, is like the opposite. He's a five. He loves to be by himself. He does like Sabbath. Like Sabbath is very natural for him. Like he just needs to be by himself for hours, like every Saturday, every Sunday. Like I don't see him for hours on the weekend, y'all. Like people think our marriage is, is strange, but, um, but so he's like naturally really good at just, you want to come up here? <laughs> I know we should, you can take we my should trade. <laughs> so I'll speak for Bryce now. Um, so, so it's, it's a discipline I, that I find like I need to re- try at almost a little bit more. And so I wonder if other people feel similarly, like maybe your personality is one where you are outgoing and you enjoy being with people. And so it's, it's harder for you to be like, I need to be by myself. I need to pull back or, you know, I need to slow down and not follow those impulses. Um, and I think the other thing too, is when I'm in a practice, when I'm doing Sabbath impulses of just like constantly every five minutes, whatever of like, Oh, I need to shop for this item. There's this thing that I feel like I need to buy or this, this thing I need to look up on my phone and Google on my phone and sort of like those constant thoughts that are like coming through, but things that I am sort of aware of in Sabbath of like, my shopping tendencies, you know, or like all of those things underlying that arise. So those can be challenging to like deal with. For sure. So if you're familiar with the Enneagram, as you said, I'm a type one, uh, which means that I'm also an introvert, which so naturally Sabbath comes to me great. But in, because I'm a one, I am constantly thinking about problem solving and like what should be right. And I've realized actually since attending Nova, that my inner critic is not about imposter syndrome, but really about should. Like, I should be doing this. I should have done this better. I should be, like, like I'm not kidding you. Today, I thought to myself, oh, I can't wait till fall happens because then I really should, like, clean my oven. Like, my oven's never been clean. I'll just, like, open up all the windows and I should clean my oven. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, no one cares. Leave your onion, leave your oven alone. Um, but I think uh, I've been really thinking about with our sermon series about how it's rest and renewal and really thinking about what are renewal practices that I already engage in. Because I think about people, there was one of the questions you forwarded to us about for people for whom they can't take a full 24 hours, like the pressure and the burden to constantly be providing and to show up. And if you don't have a budget that supports it, 
Like, what are the areas where you can renew yourself and be with people who know who you are and remind you of who you are in that in throughout your week? Then those are like mini Sabbaths. Um, like, that's why I keep my phone off. You know, like I don't have my work email. I I also struggle too with like. Um, I work at, at a nonprofit in where you have to care a lot, uh, <laughs> and I just refuse to try and problem solve work problems on the weekend. Like I've just come to that mindset of like they literally cannot pay me enough to think about this problem. I'm not saving babies, and I'm not keeping the world from blowing up. Like I shouldn't be worrying about this. Um, and so that's been really hard. Is actually the mental game for me. Like I can easily binge Netflix. Like I'll get like a craft project going, and I'm good. But like it's really hard to turn off the internal dialogue for sure, especially if you don't have time to take a full 24 hours because you're just constantly going. And to your point about time, actually, someone said to me about six months ago. She's like, Kimberly, you are time rich. That is provided by the Lord. Be time rich, and that has really helped me change. Like the hurry mentality of like just getting it through the week to get to the weekend to get to the next week. Yeah, yeah. We're almost out of time. So thank you so much for just really enjoy hearing all of your insights. Um, a question I'm going to ask them as the final question. I want us all to be thinking about it. Uh, but you kind of, some of you kind of alluded to it. You know, Sabbath, I really appreciate the voices that name. Really, Sabbath is a communal practice. Um, there are obviously these ways that we enter into it individually, but it's a communal practice of the people of God. And so what does it look like as a church uh, to support each other, um, to enter into it together, both in terms of how countercultural it is, also in terms of um, financial support uh, for those of us who might be making less than livable wage, all these different things that might keep us from being able to stop work. Uh, what does it look like and that's such a, like, it's a big question, and I don't expect you to solve it right now. If you can, that'd be awesome. Uh, but what would be some of your first thoughts around that? Anything come to mind? I think Nova actually models a really, like, your sermons are really short, and I really appreciate that. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> like, I really, like, by the end of the week, like, I got 20 minutes to, like, pay attention. Like, that's it. <laughs> um, but the other thing is, I... Usually, since I live so close, I'm usually wearing dumpy clothes before I come here, and then maybe I'll put on nice pants. And the thing that I have loved about coming to Nova is that the first time, the first Sunday I was ever here was one of those, like, wearing chore clothes, looking a mess, and, like, no one cared. And I was like, this is amazing. (laughs) Like, I don't have to dress up for church. I don't have to perform. I can just be here be present for an hour, and then set off on my week really well, which I really like, yeah. So if you don't have, like, time, right, like, just setting a space as a church to be intentional about literally saying, like, when you say, come as you are, actually living that out as a community. Yeah, it's been great. And I did put on nice clothes. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> but if you didn't, we wouldn't care. I know, exactly! <laughs> That's what I'm saying! <laughs> So um, I stole this idea from a podcast that I was listening to because I was like, I don't know, how do you do Sabbath communally? Because it's always been pitched to me as something you do individually on your own. Um, So I really like this idea. They were talking about, as a community, starting Sabbath together and then ending it together with a meal. So as their community functioned, they would, on Friday night when Sabbath began, get together for a meal communally, and then everybody would go about their Sabbath on Saturday individually 
individually and then they got back together Saturday night to do like a concluding, more of like a celebratory type of meal at the end of Sabbath. And I really like that. I think it's really awesome. And they mentioned how that, they literally said, absorbs the loneliness or absorbs Mm. loneliness to start Mm. Sabbath like that and Mm. to end like that. So maybe we can do that. Yeah, it's a good question. I think it, I think the fact that it's a, feels like a challenge or a hard to answer question just shows how individualistic, the hyper expressive individualism that we're all living in. And I, I think my best solution is to think really intentionally about bigger arching decisions we make about where we live, who we live with. I think. Uh, my wife and I are going on a decade of marriage and uh, this is the first year of our marriage that we haven't lived in a community house. And so I think, I think there's macro decisions we make to like sign that lease alone or move 20 minutes outside whatever, uh, a proximity to some friends. Or I think there's these big macro decisions that we can actually reevaluate and think about that will make leaning into something like community and communal Sabbath much easier, much more natural. Um, and I think if we, if we don't think about it on that more macro level, it's just going to feel like we're running up a slide covered in grease. And like the gravity is just going to keep pulling us down and we're just going to feel discouraged. So, um, and that has to obviously be reevaluated in each kind of stage of life and season too. So... Yeah, so I think there can be like really real practices, but also one thing that I kind of observe um, in the clients I see is they feel like self-care is selfish. I think that we have to change that belief that self-care is selfish. I think, again, what Kimberly was saying, that people have this performance mindset that I still have to perform when there's not something expected of me. Uh, and they have a hard time reversing that. Their bodies have a hard time reversing that. They're, they're antsy if they sit still. So I think we need to train our bodies to be okay with stillness. Um, but maybe on a practical level, having everyone's number and saying, like, just texting, hey, what are you up to tomorrow? I have the day off. I think it's very practical and just being okay with awkwardness when you meet someone and um, just going on a hike or going on a walk or getting some coffee. Like, I think part of us wants this deep social, deep connection with others. Part of us is very hesitant. Will they like me? How it's going to go? I think we need to fight those inner voices, their inner tendencies that keep us kind of stagnant in our old ways where it's not, it's not our new practice. So we need to have new ways of doing things. Yeah. Um, we help me just thank them for being up here and doing this. Thanks, y'all.